Welcome to the Black on Black Education Podcast, where we interview the most brilliant minds and connected hearts to discuss our shared passion for the transformation, the revolution, reimagining, and recreation of education in the Black community. My name is Eva Loren Jean Charles, founder of Black on Black Education and New York City High School teacher. And I'm Jamal Thomas, her partner and dad, education enthusiast, and we're, and we're your, your host. host. Please don't forget to like, comment, share, and subscribe. And most importantly, to enjoy the episode. All right, we're at it again. And as always, we asked our guests, who are you, what do you do, and why do you do it? My name is Benita Gordon. I'm known as the Education Concierge Benita G. Um, I do it because my friends, maybe about 15 years ago, said, you know, you're like our own concierge. Like, we call you about education, we call you about stuff pertaining to education, and you mm. connect us, you figure it out, you send us the resources, you make it happen. And so, like, we appreciate that. And I was like, a concierge? Okay, I'll take that. And then <laughs> took it and ran with it. Um, so what a concierge does, basically we do all things of, about, and for education, and we work with educators, parents, educational institutions, and community agencies. And we literally do all things. So we have a parent that calls and they were like, I have no idea about this 504 or they want to put my child on a 504. Can you help me? Mm. Uh, we may have an educator um, who would well, not, not now because they're not firing teachers. But <laughs> um, we have an educator that might say, look, they're about to put me on a plan of action. I need some assistance mm. um, struggling with this. Um, I want to move. I don't want to be in this school district. We help them figure out or find some place to relocate. So we do all the things in education. Um, we do international. We have teachers that reach out to us and say, I want to go teach overseas. I know you've done it. Who can you connect me with? Mm. So that's what we do. Um, I think because I'm a multi-creative, then that just fits. I know people are like, you need to hone in. You hone in. I'm going to do it this way. Mm. And I'm very passionate about education. I'm passionate about education of Black and Brown students who look like me. Mm. Um, and I am, I guess the anomaly is what they call me. I grew up with black and brown educators mm. who were amazing. Like I have very few white educators pre-K through 12th grade. Mm. And then I went to HBCU, so it was the same way. So I came through um, seeing representation consistently. Mm. Um, and I want my students to see that. Um, this is what I'm calling my v, my Serena year. So I'm ready to retire out of the classroom. Mm. Um, this is my 25th year. Wow. Um, and I did not think I would be a teacher. I was a nursing major. I went to Hampton as a nursing major, um, but changed my major before I took any classes. And I've been doing this since then. Um, and my, some people call me a maverick. I'm, I'm definitely a disruptor. Um, I am going to push back. I'm probably going to ignore it. Um, and probably won't apologize about it later um, or ask for forgiveness. Cause at this point of the game, I'm gonna do it my way. I come with receipts. Um, also a turnaround specialist. So that means um, the building is on fire and not running. Uh, mm. We fix it and then we leave. Um, the education system is a mess. It's no, it's, we're not gonna sugarcoat it. It is a mess. It was never intended to teach students of any other ethnicity but um, white Americans of a certain status. So let's be clear about that too. Absolutely. And that's what I do. Um, and I have always been that child that either you loved me or you didn't. Like mm -hmm. literally growing up in high school, either you liked me or you didn't. And it's the same way now. Um, 
I host the podcast. That's why I love y'all podcast. I host the podcast. I'm part of your community, Black on Black Education, um, our monthly meetings. I love them. Um, and sometimes I forget I'm the senior in the room and it's okay. <laughs> now I am. I love seeing the new educators come in um, and we have to retain after we recruit them. Mm. So I love that. I love it. And listen, if you didn't know that she was about to get a good podcast, that introduction must <laughs> have set the tone, right? Um, so the one piece that I want to dig into right out of the gate is that turnaround specialist piece, because just like you said, the education system is on fire. It is a mess. Um, and, and school after school and educator after educator that you talk to are struggling to stay in, in, in the profession. And so as a turnaround specialist, you talked a little bit about what it means, um, but what does it uniquely position you to do? And why is it important to have people who have the skill set that you have to be a part of the change, like having these discussions around the change that needs to happen to revolutionize education? So I'm going to say, first of all, your school district and your school, you have to be ready to accept change. Mm. I'm not coming. I'm not, I'm not going to stay long if I realize that you hired me, but you're not open and ready to receive change and you know you need it. And mm. that's anything in life. If, if I need to work out, I need to work out. I'm not going to keep paying this trainer to keep, you know, I'm, I'm never going to go to the training, but I'm paying him or her. That's how it is in education. When you hire um, turnaround specialists, when you hire consultants and they are really there to help turn it around, you have to be ready to receive. And it is going to be some hard truths and some hard facts. And you're going to have to face it and move forward. Mm. Everything's in small doses. And so what we're doing now is it was broken before COVID. COVID broke some stuff, um, ripped it apart, burned some stuff down. Mm. We came, we're still in the, we're still in COVID, but we're adjusting on how we live with COVID in the education system. And then we came back to something that was already broken. Mm. Now you have specialists like me who come in and I say, hey, so this was broken before COVID. Don't blame it on that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't hear the steps to fix it. And we're going to go step by step by step. You can't resist that. Like we're pulling up numbers. And then when we pull in educators who are ready to be in the trenches, um, let's leave them alone. They're, they're, they call us professional educators for a reason. Mm. Like that is what we do. Now, do we have to monitor people? Of course. We're always going to train people. But yeah. the nitpicking and the consistent micromanaging of a lot of things is not how you produce effective change. And it's not how you do turnaround. Oh. And so one of the things we always want to look for is, are you ready to receive? And are you ready to go? And you go in small steps. It ha it's, it's like I'm a, I'm a huge NFL girl. Steelers, shout out Steelers. Um, and small steps, like we change the defense, then we get them straight, and then we go into offense, and then we're doing special teams. Mm. Like whatever we see the greatest need in, that's where we're going to start. But also where we see where we can make the biggest gain, that's mm -hmm. where we're going to start also. So you're going to come in like this. And so we, when you put administrators in place who are not forward thinkers, <clears throat> when you put administrators in place who are not um, able to see the future and who are, who are not able to release the tradition of the foolishness, Mm. And then it stifles the turnaround process. Right. Release. 
Yeah, it's I, I was literally I was just talking about this yesterday, but it, you know, it, those administrators do need to be all those things that you just described. Uh, but the the crazy part is that it goes, you know, further than that. It's it's it, typically administrators at this point they they have a certain amount of incentives you know they have to uh come up with very specific results that the state sets as standards so you know so the almighty state you know says you have to do this or you have to do that or even you know federal before that whether it was you know no child left behind mm -hmm. uh, like, like these things they said hey you have to do things this particular way um and so you know the incentives for the for the superintendent if they want to you know keep their jobs because everybody is now looking just at the at the numbers and right. Numbers aren't necessarily reflective of whether young little, little whether our young people are actually learning, like it's, right. and, and and whether they 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 are maintaining a love of learning. So I want to hear from you, you know, just a little bit how you think about system wide. You know, it's it's one thing to go in and sit down and teach um, a, a superintendent how to do a better job at something that maybe we shouldn't even be doing anymore. Um, so, you know, how do you think about the future of education from the perspective of getting policymakers to change the incentive yeah. process? Mm. Uh, we are going to have to become the policymakers. Like there's no, there's no other way around it. And like oh, I right. literally last night stayed up all night to apply to graduate school here and get my master's and a specialist degree in policy in educational policy because I've been in the classroom so long and I've been in and out. I've been a dean. I've been, I've done professional development. And now I see, and I, I was in Miami, Florida during COVID when that person who runs the state or does whatever he does, um, literally threatened my county and two other counties to say, if you don't do this, you won't get your federal funding and you won't get your government money to help the lowest and the poorest students. Um, and so I, we saw that, like we saw being bullied mm. from politicians and those at the higher up. And some of our higher ups were trying to fight it. But like you said, they also have to keep their job. They have families. They, we wanted them to stay in leadership. They were really working hard for us. We have to become the policy change. We have to be in the room. And then we have to get parents involved. Like, Parents have no idea how strong their voice truly is. Um, and then we, we literally have to, and it's going to have to be, mm -hmm. first you start in the state and then you get the state to the left of you and the state to the right of you and the state north of you because then it has to become a federal thing. And mm -hmm. all of the states have to come together to make it a federal change. You also have to, we have to stop hiring people that don't know anything about education. Like, you know, you have never been inside a classroom since the last time you graduated in 1979. What are you talking about? Um, you know, like, like we literally have people who still think that the classrooms we show on Instagram and the classrooms we show on TikTok, they think that that's how the room, they think that room was there and we showed up to the room like that. Mm. They don't know that some of us come in on the summertime, some of us come in on the weekend. Some, they don't know that we spend four or five hundred dollars of our own money just to make the environment of learning. And so until we change policy and become policy changers and policy makers, it's going to be difficult. So it's going to have to once again, got to come from the top and the bottom at the same time and put a squeeze on them. Um, people are going to have to run for school board. You're going to have to be on the school board. You're going to have to go to the meetings. You're going to have to be a representative from your county, your district. 
you we are going to have to literally be engaged in every aspect textbook policy talk about the it public library the library in your school band sports um all of that we're going to have to be engaged and involved in every time you look at you we're going to have to disrupt it and i don't mean disruptive where we're rude or disrespectful i mean disruptive and we're questioning like why are we still doing that like what's what's the purpose again that only worked it doesn't even work then okay we need to change that and come with facts come with numbers come with the research mm. because one thing i know about the education when you when we show numbers people shut up mm. you can't argue it's the ela teacher said you can't argue with the man yeah and you can't and that's how we change it and i hate to say you have to blow it up but it's like you have you have to you yeah. have to just come and disrupt and tear it up because the mentality of people sitting in power one has not changed and two when you have power you don't give it up easily regardless of whether it's mm. making sense or not mm. and that's where we are now where we have and and we see it changing don't get me wrong it is changing and it is moving but it's not progressive progressive enough we're almost in the 22nd century and i'm still fighting you for stuff from the 19th century but i'm living in the 21st like come on now mm. And we're behind. And so we have to be, we have to be in the room. We have to change the policy. We have to put on the pressure. I love that song, pressure. Like we have to apply it. Mm. Teachers cannot be scared to leave from the classroom. You're gonna have to push back. Like I like they know. Like I said, I said in a meeting this week, and they said something not, I am not doing that. I literally said it out of my mouth loud and proud. And people was like, <laughs> I'm not doing that. No, don't don't even put me on the list. And my principal said, she stood right beside me and she just looked at me and I was like, I'm not doing it. What to do whatever you need to do, but I'm not doing that. That's stupid. It makes no sense. It interrupts my teaching style. It interrupts what I believe in as an educator and I'm not doing it. Mm. So I shot down real quick. Because when I spoke up, what mm. happened? All the other teams in the room were like, yeah, I didn't want to say well, I don't. I didn't think that. Yep. Because I'm not scared now. Fire. Mm. I'm gonna go and we know they can't. You can't, I mean, they can, but I'm going to have a job, whether it be in a classroom or somewhere else, because at this point, I'm not scared. And I think we have to be, understand the position we're in. Like, we need to go into that school board and say, we're not scared of you. We will not, we will not reelect you. We will make you, you need to turn in your resignation. And we've seen it happen across the nation and we can't be scared anymore. Mm. I mean, we've asked that question many times and it's been answered in really fruitful and in incredible ways. But I think like the way that you're answering it is it's really clear. And it seems like to some folks that it's not it still doesn't feel tangible or possible. Right. But the way that you said it to me, it's a, it's a very clear like this is what it is. Now it's a matter of how do we invigorate and organize folks to recognize the importance of actually making this happen? How do we organize and effectively uh, bring in the people who we need to bring in, right? Like there's a difference between hearing from a teacher that this isn't working and hearing from a student that this isn't working. And that worked for me last year. Having my students be like, okay, so y'all said y'all don't like this. Y'all said y'all don't want this. Let me close the door real quick. If you're saying that, go tell somebody. Yes. And then tell them again. And then tell them again after that, because I done said it. I, I'm telling y'all straight up, I said it. Post it. Make a post about it. Mm -hmm. Put like, it on Instagram. Tag the school. 
TikTok it. It'll go viral. I Listen. And so it, it really is that that piece that you said, apply the pressure and not be mm -hmm. afraid to apply the pressure, particularly because of the position that we're in, right? Schools in New York City, 10% under enrolled across the city. So schools, in order to stay open, need to have kids coming in the building. Kids need to be coming in the building with their parents talking about, can you provide this, 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 and this? No? Okay, let me go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. yes, because now the power, the power has changed. It has shifted. The power is in the in the students' hands. The power is, but it, because it's not being used, it's allowing the folks who don't care and who are still with the foolishness, as you said, to continue to make the, the decisions and the, the choices. It really is about us as a community deciding how we're going to organize. I, I, I absolutely love that. And so, I mean, I know something that we've talked about that you're super passionate about is that parent and family engagement piece. Um, can you talk to us about ways that you have seen work um, with, with engaging parents and families to do this work? And what are some of the changes that you would advocate for schools to make in order to see parent and family engagement work better for their school communities? And then the, the policy changes that we want to see at large. Um, so I grew up in Lawrenceville, Virginia. Shout out, um, rural Virginia. <laughs> um, parents were at the PTA meeting. My mom was PTA, pre uh, mom was PTA president. Um, my sister now in Miami is part of the PTA. <laughs> so we grew up in the community because the community the school is part of the community what we but that was in the 70s 80s and 90s mm -hmm. um, my mom was a school teacher um she and then she taught night um classes at the at the hbcu st paul's college mm -hmm. my dad had ran his own business parents could get off work because we were a traditional bougie black family parents got off work and went to the pta meeting and they were at the activities that we know we did church on sunday all of the things mm -hmm. um there's no such thing as there's no such thing as a traditional family right now. Let's let that go. Um, students I work with, I work in a Title I. Um, all of my students can get free or reduced lunch. Mm. My parents work two, three, two or three jobs. Um, where, to, where they want to help, they can't because they're on a survive mode yeah. and they're not on a thrive mode yet. So we have to come back. So traditionally, when you did a PTA meeting at eight o'clock, six o'clock, excuse me, six thirty, that might be when my parent is either getting off work or going in for their second job, or they picked up another shift. Um, parents, and when I say parents, I mean they're adults. So parents, parents to me is whomever is in charge of raising that child right now, mm. and that, that can change, move, and shift weekly, monthly, yearly. Absolutely, we have to meet them where they are because it's not that they don't want to help there are two things i've seen to happen over the 25 years they didn't know how and they didn't have time to help the way they thought they could mm. i've had parents that your only job is to send a newsletter out that's it thank you you're really good with you're really good you know canva you know facebook you know social media mm. you know how to use remind i send it to you you send it out i love it Okay, and then what? Why can't we have Zoom PTA meetings? We did it during COVID, right? Like why? Why all of a sudden that now no longer works? Why are we not recording events that are happening? Because a lot of places like mine, we don't do stuff at night just simply with the community we're in. Let's just be real. Mm. We don't do a lot of activities at night, so you do it in the middle of the day for working class parents. Mm. How do 
they get to come see their kid and celebrate the success that their kid is working mm-hmm. hard because that's what right. you've asked them to do. Right. And you can't get off work to see it. So why aren't we allowing us to do a Zoom for that? Because my mom, dad, whomever, even if we have to give them a code, I don't care. They can see it. They can watch it later on their lunch break. Mm-hmm. They can take Jake and try and sneak to the bathroom and watch a little bit of it. And I've had parents do that. And I've had parents do that. Put their kid's name in the chat. Love you. Congratulations. And then try and sneak back into work. We have to get away from what we think is traditional. That's over. That's COVID wiped that out. Mm. Thank you. When we do, we get parent engagement. When we stop trying to call all the time. Parents can't take phone calls at work. So you text them. You get a Google voice. You text them. You take a picture. I, I took a picture the other day of my student, but I took I did a video. He was reading in class. I was so proud of him. <laughs> You're like, girl, you teach middle school. But we be struggling sometimes to pay attention and focus. I sent that to his parent guardian adult. All they right. said was thank you so much. And that was just private. Like he didn't even know. I told him late. That's that's what I just sent. He thought he was in trouble. I said, no. Mm. That's good report. Right. We have to get away from that. Use parent parents on social media. Every school, every school should be on one type of social media and their parents should know how to access it. Right. Twitter. Right. Twitter, for me, Twitter is the easiest because blur, school clothes, pipe broke. Thank you. <laughs> the reality is, is you know the districts have to. So I, I'm on, I'm on my local school board, and I, and I'm, I chair the um the community engagement and communications committee, and so we we just we had a meeting on Monday where we where we started to have some conversations about this because you, you kind of got to be on Twitter and 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 um but the reality is we we had to find a way to be on Snapchat and TikTok too because that's where the kids are um and and we have to ask you know, the, the community at large, like, how do you want to be communicated to? So we got to get much more sophisticated um, about meeting people where they are, meeting them in the way that they want to be meted and, and having different messages for different people. If you just send out the same thing to everybody, you know, once a week or once a month, you know, you're going to get people like, yeah, I'm not really interested in that. But if you ask people understanding, you know, they, 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 they want to, some people want to know about every single school event. Other people want to know about just something once a week. There's different frequencies people want to get connected to, but you got to engage the community in that conversation um, and make whatever correspondence that you're sending out um, interesting enough and reality is is that that you can do some of these things in conjunction with the students like they they can be the the people who who created and and it's digital literacy is so freaking important and it's it's one of those things that it it boggles my mind that it's not yet part of the standard like we we going back to the, the 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 powers that be in new york financial literacy not part of the standard how are those things not so much more important than earth science and biology like they, they this is stuff that the kids are living every day they're every living day. Every day, a lot of people are never going to know, need to know about igneous rocks and 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 the, the, like you, some people need to know about it, but let them look that up when they want to look it up. They have to know about digital literacy. They have to know about financial literacy. These things are going to affect their lives 100% of the time, 100% of the people. So it 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 just boggles my mind that these things are not. Um, it's self-evident. 
you know, and 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 we have to 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 Eva's point, we got to get the kids continuing to to yes. speak at it. To your point, the parents as well. Um, and and if we come as a collective communicating this, I don't see how you know they continue to to say no or or you know not say nothing at all, which is really what you know many of them do. Right. Yeah. I, I'm glad you said it about digital literacy. That was my fight this week. I look. I know they be like this chick crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so the test online, but you want me to keep printing out paper? I didn't kill the whole forest in the first seven weeks of school. I <laughs> killed the whole forest. It's dead. Between myself and the other ELA teachers in my building, I can't even count the other grade, the other subject. I just know what the ELA team has done. And then finally, I just had to say. Um, our kids know their phones, but they don't know how to use a laptop. And it's not the same. It's like, it literally is not an Mm -hmm. iPad and a phone, similar, but a whole laptop. When you go to work, you're going to get a laptop. You may get an iPad depending on who you work for, but it's not your phone. And we have to give them the keys the understanding. I need you to know how to do certain things on your laptop for work. How do you fill out an employment application on your laptop? Mm. The test is on a laptop. But mm. you keep telling me to print out every day, but in the highlight and read a piece of paper. I do not see the connection. And then this is me. Explain it to me like I'm a third grader because I love that line. Like Explain it to me. Because I'm missing it. But they literally looked at me like I was crazy. And I was like, if if I never took a typing class in junior high to know where all the keys are, I would not be able as a grown woman to type and still watch my kids in the room mm. and still finish what I need to finish. Because you keep emailing me 400 things to do while I'm teaching. <laughs> How do we set them up for success? We, talk, we always talk about college, life, career. Uh, they need to be college ready. How? How are we preparing them for college? Like even the, the debate this week was bathroom. Yeah, I don't get out of my face about the dog going bathroom. To get out of my face! If the kid want to go to my bathroom, go to the bathroom in my class, he knows what a pass is. They look at me, they go bathroom, or they throw up a sign. I don't know what the gang mm-hmm. sign is. This. And I, I go like this. That means don't ask me right now. We're in middle school. I go, and we keep it moving. Why are we making a big deal? And they're like, oh, they're using the phone. They're using their phones in the bathroom. You use your phone in the bathroom. Oh, I use my phone at work in the bathroom. I put some music on. I'm still like I'm not taking all day. It's not my personal bathroom, but the phone is with me. Their phones are like crack. They have them up. I'm and they were like, "Oh, take the phone and they go to the bathroom." Ooh, that's eighteen hundred dollars sitting on my desk. I will not. That, that, I don't have a new phone. My phone is at least four or five years old. She's hanging in there. Let's focus on the main thing. The main thing is, do they know how to go get a phone and not have to put it on payment plan because they saved up for it? Mm-hmm. Do they know how to budget to have a phone because they're only making this much money and they need to pay the rent and the car note and the car insurance and the renter's insurance? Do they even know what that is? Do they they want about they're worried about a bitcoin. I said, baby, do you know what a budget is? Like, I totally agree with you. Like, we don't have any literacy for um technology, we have no literacy for finances, and you're sitting over here talking about stuff to me that's trivial. Like mm-hmm. as an adult, 
Mr. Thomas, in your school board meeting, do you raise your hand to get permission to go to the bathroom? Come on. Or do, it some, or do we wait for a break? Or do we realize this is a break that I need right now? They're not really talking about anything on this. Let me run to the bathroom. In college, I've never raised my hand to ask a professor to go to the bathroom. Now, if I was late, then the door would close out. You go to the bathroom whenever you want to because you miss class. But we, we we keep talking about setting them up for success. And like you said, you overlook the direct information you need. Why are we not hiring our students to run our communications department at our school? And, and what else? The 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 the, the lunch lunches and stuff. Kids want to learn how to cook. Why why are we not working with the? Why, why are we we they pay ridiculous amounts of money oftentimes for some terrible lunch. Nasty. Them jokers no, no, no. throw it away. My kids don't even throw it away. They don't get it. The school, no, the school exactly every single day. The school throws away meal after meal after meal after meal after meal every single day. The kids come to the lunch lady and say, "Hey, can you heat up my cup of noodles?" Because they go and get their thirty-five cent cup of noodles before they come to school every day. Because that's how nasty. Why, they are. Can't we, we have a culinary class, but we have a culinary class. And ramen can be made without all the sodium that's in the prepackaged. I can show you. I told the kids, I can show you how to make hamburger helper without the package. And we have hamburger left over to make hamburgers and some spaghetti. They looked to me like I was crazy. Listen, and and the students like we have an issue with students coming in late to school, but then we have students that are so passionate about cooking and so passionate about the lunch issue. Again, I've told my dad this a hundred times. I ask my students all the time, what is your biggest issue with education? What would you change if you could change tomorrow? Food. When I tell you, it might be 60 out of a hundred percent that are food. like the food. food. So now food. we have this massive issue that 60% of our student body is interested in solving with the, the same 60% of students that are coming in late every single day, make them come in early and make the lunch. Let's go. Now they're here on time. The lunch is made. We don't have no problem. What are we doing in these? And then what, look at the skills we just taught them. Maintaining the job, coming in early for work, finding a career that you love. Now you're managing people in the, and now you're learning how to, how to prepare and prep. But it's something about like time management comes in preparation of food. Like you got, come on, we, you know, Thanksgiving dinner, you got to be like, pop, pop, pop. Everything needs to be hot on the table. Right. It's supposed to be hot. So we, as a, as as the new education grouping <laughs> comes yeah. in, yeah. we have to start really honing in on, and the kids are asking. The kids yeah. showed us during COVID, and they're asking, why are we doing this? Yes. Like, how is this helping me? Um, I had a student. You give them a good answer. I don't like I had a student and I've just posted this on Mike Yates on LinkedIn on Mike Yates. He was, he was talking about the board that we have to put up. You have to put the subject in a standard and all of the things. And, mm -hmm. and one of my students this yesterday, she was like, why do you change that every day? Like, who is that for? She said, because we look at the PowerPoint and you then we talk about it. You break it down for us. This week, we know we talk about dramatic irony. We read all these stories. We talk about suspense. And then, you know, everybody killing somebody, but why? Da, 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 da. So she can tell me, like, they know what we're doing. Mm -hmm. They say, we don't know what this is. I said, oh, it's for the others. Mm. And they said, oh. And then the little boy, he said, well, if they read that, when they come up, when they come up in here, why do they keep getting in our face? I'm some, do you know what you're doing? Mm. <laughs> and I was like, close the door. 
<laughs> always. Why is that? We always got to close the door because this we is- have to be real with our kids. We have to give them a, the real inside scoop on what's going on, because if they don't understand that, then they don't understand why we have to do things certain ways. Like, miss, why you got to close the door when we talk about da-da-da-da-da? Because there's gatekeepers, because there's people in here talking, because other people going to go tell this person that I did this or I said this. And that leads to this whole thing because it fights against what they want to be the standard, what is traditional, what's supposed to happen. I and stay it, in the hot water. Yeah. I stay in hot water. Like, I, I stay, I should be a whole prune and raisin. I stay in <laughs> the heat. And not on purpose, but sometimes it is. But I'm going to push back because the kid, the generations that we are teaching, if it does not connect and it does not make sense, they do not care. Right. Mm. And I need you to care because we're still black and brown in America. Right. And we still have to prove ourselves. Let's, let's just be real about this. Mm. And so in education, when you come into my classroom, we're behind the eight ball because I teach students who are behind the eight ball. We're in eighth grade. We're reading on third, fourth, sometimes K-1-2 reading level in the eighth grade. Yeah, I'm trying to get you prepared. So when you go out to high school, you are not way, way, way behind that you drop out. Like this is Mm -hmm. the grade. And so when we talk about things, we're talking about parent engagement. Tell your parents to come. We're talking about um, me pushing back in ELA department meetings, in the faculty meeting, because what are we focusing on? Like, what's my focus? And that's what turnaround specialists do. We, we bring it all back and go, okay, we'll, what are we trying to do? The main thing is the main thing. We're trying to teach children to be productive citizens in the United States. Right. And how do you do that? You have to get them to do critical thinking. They need to know time management. They need to know about their money. They need to know how to get jobs. We need to show them alternatives to education and alternatives to jobs. You need to know that you're already an entrepreneur. This little girl in my class does everybody lashes. You got mm-hmm. on lashes. And they are good. Like, I was like, girl, how much you charge? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and I, I love my own eyelashes, but I'm just thinking, like, if I do an event, if I'm doing weddings, I'm a photographer on the side. Like, I'm always looking for somebody. And I'm like, look, like, <clears throat> the Chili Squad, they need, they might. Like, how do you get these things? We have to come back to that. And that's how we're going to change public education. Put it like this, because we know that the forces are fighting against us and they want to they want to um, snatch public education from us and make everything paid. And we know that that's 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 why they attack the teachers. That's why they attack um, the foundation of education saying that we're 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 not worthy we're not going doing a good job and kids right. are learning that when you attack it you dismantle it but you dismantle it to build it up for mm. this mm. and that leaves out a whole section of our students who really run the world right right yeah it's it's well i mean yeah we or, 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 these students are gonna run the world like do you know what I mean it, it's 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 or, or um they're gonna be in positions where they are run over all the time and 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 it's what we do that is going to make the decision um, mm-hmm. on, on which side of the, the 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 pendulum that they that they swing on. So, um, you know, before before we head out of here, I want to kind of get a gauge of you know most of this conversation has been around uh, you know things that educators need to know and 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 pieces like that. But I'm curious, you know, what what do you have to say to young people? Like, what what's what's some you know some 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 sage advice uh, for young folks? Um, your voice matters. Mm. Your voice matters and advocate for yourself. Um, 
advocate for yourself. Like in my class, that's huge. Advocate for yourself. They can come to me, and be like, you know, da 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 da. Like, well, let me look at that. Let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. Your voice matters. Um, it is your future. This is your education. Um, and I know a lot of times my students say, oh, I wish I could never, ever come to school again. And I go, mm, that's interesting. I don't want a dentist who didn't go to dentist school in my mouth. And then they pause. I do not want the pilot flying the plane that didn't go to aviation school. And they don't continue to be educated. So they pause and then they say, well, I want to change mm. how we're educated. And I want them to use their voice for that. Right. Change how you're educated so that you actually get what you need and you're able to walk out in the world and feel respect, give respect, be respected, and be in charge. Mm. And I told them, I said, being in charge goes from the truck driver, he or she is in charge of their truck driving company. That one truck is their truck driving company, to being in charge at Google, to being in charge at, as an administrator in the school, to being in charge. If you're an athlete, you're in charge, you are the brand, you're in charge of yourself. Mm. In charge is in charge. It just looks different ways. But I would t- I would definitely tell students the same thing I tell them now. Use your voice and advocate for what you need and what you want. And make them listen. Mm. That's it. I same thing it. I told my younger self. <laughs> I, love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And so before we hit our last question, we want to know how can people connect with you? People should be, after listening to this conversation, <laughs> ready and willing and wanting to connect with you. Yes. So how do they do that? So I have a website that's called Gordon Global Education Concierge.com. Uh, I am on social media, y'all. I'm on LinkedIn. Slide into my DMs professionally. Professionally. Okay. I'm on Instagram, The Edu Concierge. Um, I have a podcast, The Education Concierge Podcast. I do tips and tools Tuesday and Thursday at 9 p.m. CST. We talk about, um, look, we talk about tips and tools about education. Um, and I'm just on there. So, like, people comment, I respond. Um, I do conferences. So, if you want me to come speak, just let me know. Um, I'm here. And people, a lot of people are like, you give away stuff for free. Look, last year's price is not this year's price. Oh, I got to, hey, I got to, I got to, I got to eat. And I'm, look, I got to pay back my student loans after December. Like, don't play. (laughs) I got to pay back. I went to Hampton. I got to pay back my student loans. Mm -hmm. Really, Chu? We heard. No, no, because it's not an argument. People, people like to make it an argument. We were Hampton Institute, but what I want you to do is I want you to look at our endowment. Hmm. That's a that's a little that's a that's a little flex right there. Just look at our, look at our campus. <laughs> we have Proton Therapy Hospital. Just, I wouldn't really go. Just say it. I'm sorry, I wasn't trying, was, trying to start no beef. I love them both. I no, love it's them. Yeah, I, I grew up in Virginia, so we grew up in Virginia State, Virginia Union, St. Paul's, North mm-hmm. State. Like we grew up Elizabeth City. So all of the things, any any HBCU, we're gonna love it. Um, my nieces and nephews know. And we would like for them to go to HBCU, but at this rate, we just classic is today actually. And um, yeah. yes, thank you. So I'm in Memphis, so they just had Jackson and Tennessee last weekend. So, so it was good. It's it's good. I love it, and we're on national television. <laughs> okay. So I I am enjoying it. And shout out to my soulmates, hey, AKAs in the house. So, hey. <laughs> About to go to a meeting today. Yes, we so back, we back live. We back live. So, uh, you know, now, now's the time that we get to, you know, flip things a bit and uh, you get to ask us a question, become the interviewer. So, um, you know, what uh, what would you like to know? I 
you know, this is what I've been thinking about for a long time, even after I've been in y'all meetings. Uh, how is it working? Because this is the dad and the daughter. How is that working? And then why black on black education? Like, what? where did that, who did it? Who came with that name? <laughs> who did that? Um, so how is it working? Yes. It is the biggest joy and the biggest headache in the world. You know? Like, it is very difficult to, this is his role as my father, and this is his role as a, as a, as a partner in, in yes. Black and Black education. And sometimes those two things get commingled and that don't work very well. Um, but I am lucky that he is one of these magical unicorn people who never gets upset about things and, like, is oh, always just optimistic and pleasant and happy. So I am not any of those things the vast majority of the time. Um, I'm a grouch, like, like Oscar the Grouch, I 100%, he is, we, we, your spirit, your spirit. yeah, he represents me really, really well. Um, and so having the, the other half of the coin be someone who can always look at the brighter side of things or always try to come up with a solution is is important. If we were both Oscar the Grouch, Black on Black Education would look very different right now. Oh. <laughs> she, she certainly she certainly described it well. I try not to, you know, ever do the, you know, I'm a dad and so it's this way and things like that. You know, even this, you know, this was her original idea. She she heard on a podcast, uh, somebody, you know, mentioned the, the idea that people are always talking about black on black crime. Why don't they talk about black on black education? It's, you know, it, it struck a real chord and she immediately kind of called me and and uh, said, hey, you know, like it's, I just heard this guy say this thing. He said black on black education. I don't know what it is. We got to do this thing. And, and, you know, we didn't know what we were going to do, um, but we just started to, to you know, communicate. Um, um, some of the conversations that we had already had, like she was a terrible, she was a good student. I was a terrible student. Um, so we okay. always had like discussions around, you know, education and we started to have them out loud um, and then have them with, uh, you know, with other people. And now, you know, 90 plus um, podcast episodes later and, and, and um, you know, two virtual conferences later, you know, we, we're, we're tightening up what we're, what we're, what we're doing and, uh, and um, just happy to take our, small you know role in 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 the big fight um for for transforming education and bringing educational justice to uh to the black community so i appreciate it and thank both of you like i i don't even know how I, I think i found your podcast first like your instagram and i was like wait wait what's this who are these people what are they talking about because you know you sometimes you see stuff and you're like yeah they just talking but when they <laughs> go to their website and you follow them for a moment you're like oh no they're not just talking they're about it mm. and that's the two of you and your whole i know you have a whole i'll say a s ensemble yeah. um that they are all about it and thank you uh from the community of educators um who teach black and brown students uh, because it's not it's not easy in these education streets no not easy no. at all and it's no. a push and you said something that made me think and i was like i need to um I don't like, I don't, I do not like politicians or politicking, but I need to be a little bit more involved in some aspect of where I am about some stuff. Mm. I need to look into that. Um, I don't know when I'm going to have time to do it, but I'm going to look into it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and we're here to support whenever you need it. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you guys for inviting me on. I'm, I'm honored. I'm like 90 plus. Yes. I'm behind y'all. I don't, I don't think I've gotten to 90 episodes yet. Yeah. Um, 
you'll, you'll get there soon, and and hopefully we'll be one of those one of those. Yeah, so. <laughs> Better hundred black on black education. <laughs> well, so I'm gonna write that down too. Like, wait, <laughs> make sure y'all are my 100 guests. Okay. Oh my goodness, we love it. Let's do it. All right, so that's that shouldn't be that shouldn't be far. Um, but yeah, thank you for taking time out just talking about education. This is my. I know my family gets tired. Like you need to do some talk about something else. I'm like, well, what? I'm on vacation. I'll talk about it. Is <laughs> is we started the school year, and I need I need people to have an education like I had. When my teacher mm-hmm. taught me the truth, and they loved on me, and they corrected me, and they held me accountable, and they pushed me. And they did it all in love, and that's what I need right. for my kids. Right. Right. And so, with that being said, oh, that's another episode of the Black on Black Education podcast. We will see y'all next week. Thank y'all for listening. <laughs>